This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here, actually, in the Steve Spurrier podcast studio today with a great guest who uh, has joined us to talk about city politics, of all things. Michael Rayburn, and we are going to be allowed to call him Mike, which I really uh, am, you'll be hearing me do the rest of the show because he's very easy to talk to. He's a, uh, he, for some reason, he's gotten into the nice guy, gotten into the world of politics, and that might be the last of the nice guy. I don't know, but uh, he can be nice and crazy. He can be nice and crazy, <laughs> he says. But uh, we're going to be uh, treating you for a conversation for the foreseeable future here this hour for uh, anything you want to talk about. I'll be monitoring these chat lines. We'll be talking to Mike, and uh, a lot of this you've heard before, but you haven't heard his understanding or treatment of it, and so it's uh, a different uh, story from each guest, and I don't know if uh, the big story is, will change until after the election, and then it might not change much, so there's a lot of mystery in all this. I feel like I'm Charles Dickens writing an installment of Tale of Two Cities or something, but uh, the guests are here to contribute their chapter, and uh, we certainly welcome them coming. Of course, we uh, want to thank Melvin Law uh, for being such a big supporter of ours. Melvin Law is uh, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. We went back down. We want to thank crime prevention with uh, Don Pastore and Randy Elrad at ptss.net for protecting us around the clock with crime prevention. If you need good security systems, please visit, visit them. And of course, you may visit our mugshots, which we provide as a community service. Uh, which get amazingly about 35,000, 40,000 clicks a month. So people are very interested in the crime scene, even though you may read otherwise. But you, the citizens, have told us through our data that we collect and analyze that you are very interested and want to know what's going on. So we thank our sponsors and all those other people, too, that sponsor us, whom I feature at the half of the show, who are great people, patronize them, on-the-spot cleaners, uh, uh, style cuts, I'm going to leave somebody out, so I'll have it at the bottom of the hour. But uh, we really appreciate it. And all those of you who donate to us, because it helps us pay the bills, it helps us bring you the best show we can bring you. So uh, we are a community forum, and all one has to do is call me up and say, hey, can I come on the show? And that's what Mike did. He uh, sought me out, and I really have never met Mike before. I know little about him, so I'm going to start with other than the fact that we've been chatting before we went on the air with let him tell you who he is and where he's come from and what he's all about and we'll start off that way is it okay mike yeah that's fine um yeah i'm mike rayburn i grew up in plant city down between tampa and lakeland strawberry capital of the winter strawberry capital of the world <laughs> i should say um uh, went to school there my family still lives there my dad's a general contractor um i worked with him for a number of years he built uh, mostly commercial. He built the Steak and Shake over here on 75. He built this one here. Built a, he built a lot of Steak and Shakes okay. uh, in his time, uh, among other things. And then I came to the University of Florida in 1988, 
uh, my, my freshman year. That was the only year of college <laughs> I got in here. I had a good time in Gainesville in 1988, <laughs> 1989, and uh, my GPA reflected it. Um, <laughs> but I went back to college later and uh, got a bachelor's degree and, and went on and got a Ph.D. at Duke uh, in religion. Uh, my, my life school at the time was to be a, a theology professor, but I uh, wound up being a pastor in North Carolina for a number of years. Uh, and in 2017, our family moved here, and I, uh, my wife Amy and I pastor the Gainesville Vineyard. We moved here with our five kids. Uh, we have two older daughters who, since we moved here, have gotten married. Uh, well, they both, they both graduated from Santa Fe, and they both graduated from UF, and they <laughs> both got jobs, and they both got husbands. So wow, we, that. Yeah, I mean, it's gone really well. One of them... Um, teaches special ed at Terwilliger, wow. and one does cancer research uh, at the University of Florida. So, And then our boys are 13, 10, and 6. They, uh, they're growing and loving it, and we just love living here. We moved. Uh, we rented a house in Suburban Heights when we first got here, and we're still there. We have a great landlord, local guy that treats us really well, and we take good care of the house, and we love it's perfect size for our big family, and we love living there. And that's really how I got started in all this, because right after we moved here uh, was one of the, I say first rounds, one of the early rounds when they were trying to knock down the St. Michael's uh, church. Um, And and I I joined in with the neighborhood folks. And and before the Vineyard Church hired me, they had sold, they used to be in the old Trinity Methodist building on 8th Avenue. Uh, They were there for like 20 years. They had sold that property. uh, And then they hired me. We were still meeting there and renting space from the new owners. Uh, and so I offered, we offered to buy the St. Michael's church before they tore it down and we were going to move our church there. It wasn't probably ideal for us, but uh, we were willing to do it to save that beautiful little building and that beautiful property. Uh, and that didn't work out. And, uh, and it, it's, I grew really frustrated with the city commission even then because we couldn't get any help. Um, we were trying to get the, the building, uh, historically preserved because it was a historically significant structure. Um, and a week before we were supposed to find out if it was approved, um, the city let them come in and knock the thing down. I was there. I tried to stand in front of the backhoe, but they wouldn't let me. Um, and, uh, and they tore it down. And so I was really frustrated with that. And um, so that was my first experience with city commission here, which is like they don't, they don't listen. They wouldn't listen to the suburban Heights neighbors uh, at all. And that was really difficult. And then I'm also, I, uh, while we were in North Carolina, I, I ran a homeless shelter for a while. And so since I've moved here, I've gotten involved with Grace Marketplace. And now I'm on the board. I'm the board chair for Grace Marketplace. And we've had to interact with the city a lot there because the city funds us. Uh, and, and we're in a good place now. Uh, but, but back in 2018, 2019, it was a really uh, difficult relationship getting the city to let us, you know, run the shelter the way we understand. Like we, we know how to run a homeless shelter and, and the things we're doing there are, are innovative and, and it's, it's a housing first model. And, you know, people always, we, our motto is we're ending homelessness and people are like, you know, well, I still see people flying signs. Well, sure. Uh, because one, a lot of people are not homeless. That's just their job. Uh, and two, what we mean is we're ending homelessness for that person. So when a person who's experiencing homelessness comes to us, uh, our goal is to get them into housing as quickly as possible and them, them to stay there. Because if you've been unhoused for a long period of time, it's really difficult to move back inside and to reestablish your life. And so everyone that comes to us, our goal is like, we're going to get you back into housing and it's going to stick and you're going to stay there. So we're ending homelessness like one person at a time. And we do really well. And it took us a long time to get the city to understand, like, we need to do this work in this way, and we need you to let us do it. 
Uh, and they finally have, but it was really difficult even then getting them to listen uh, to us well. And uh, for all the money the city spends on Grace, we actually save the city a lot of money uh, because if you didn't have Grace Marketplace there, you'd be spending a lot more on ambulance rides and on police calls and on prison time and things like that. So it's actually a, a cost savings for the city for Grace to run the way it runs. And, we, and the team there runs it really well. Um, and so as I've interacted with the city on those things, and then we built, we, we bought the old boys and girls club, our church did in Lincoln Estates in Southeast Kingsville. And we remodeled and renovated that. And I've had some experiences with the city on that. It's just one thing after another. It's just like, you're not, you're not listening to anyone. It's been my experience. It's like the current commission doesn't listen to, they don't listen to residents. They don't listen to local business owners. Um, they don't listen to, to, I don't know who they listen to. They're ideologically driven, um, and their ideology is not great. Uh, and I have a PhD in ethics and public policy from Duke, so I, I know a few things. And and I keep seeing them make decisions. It's like these are not these are not well thought out. These are not good decisions. Like the new zoning thing that uh, we've been talking about that they voted on last Thursday. It's just a terrible idea. Uh, they haven't thought it out well enough. And and so I just you know. The old Teddy Roosevelt thing, you can stand on the sidelines and gripe or you can get in the arena. And so I'm like, well, I'm very frustrated. So let me let me get in the arena and see if I can uh, uh, shift the atmosphere to one that we listen to people and do the core functions of city government. Because we're not doing those either very well. We certainly are. And I tell you, uh, Mike, that's quite a quite a story there. And uh, unfortunately, I can't vote in the city of Gainesville. I have a new own property in the city of Gainesville. I'm one of these disenfranchised persons. Right. But um, um, you have the voice of reason and you have some intellectual training. It's not uh, way out on extreme, I can tell from listening to you. Uh, you're probably a reasonable person who can uh, compromise and negotiate, and therefore you're not a good candidate for the city <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a fair me, point. That's I a fair point. I tell you that. No, that's a fair that was point. my punchline, but I'll tell you, man, <laughs> the great people don't get on. And, and, you know, Gary was in here. He yeah. was very articulate. He has a lot of experience. So, uh, I, I, it just, it's just listening to you, I say, well, I guess the audience feels the same way. Here's a gentleman who, who can think and who can reason, who has experience and uh, intellectual training, but not extremist about it. So where does that leave us? And, and unfortunately, in the brutal, bruising world of politics, it leaves you with name recognition. Right. It leaves you with whether or not the party is going to support you. Yeah. Uh, is that true? I mean, yeah, it's very true. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not, I'm not party affiliated by nature. Like I'm a pastor, and I try to be a pastor to everyone, and so I typically don't register either as Republican or Democrat. Now, sometimes I switch that uh, because, in, like in North Carolina, you can only vote in the primary. Uh, for which you're registered. So I have at various times, they're like, well, I want to vote in this primary, so I'm going to switch to this for this election. And so I've done that a few times, but I... Well, this I, is supposed to be a nonpartisan race. race, but everyone's talking about flying their flags uh, of their parties. But it's really unfortunate because we're caught in a, in a, in a real sticky spot. The city's in real trouble. Uh, and that's the real reason I'm running, is the city's in real trouble, and it's, it's, a, it's a twofold trouble. One, um, our taxes are too high, right? And so you really can't run as a Democrat and talk about lowering taxes. Um, but our taxes are incredibly too high. Uh, it's, it's, it's a burden on families. It's a burden on businesses. Um, and it's a drag on the economy. And 
at the same time, our infrastructure is crumbling. Our, our fire rescue uh, department is in desperate need of, of facilities funding. Their training building, the roof collapsed. Uh, it might be condemned. We're not sure yet. Uh, they've got other uh, fire stations with, with black mold, with, with sewage backing up into the plumbing, um, with leaking roofs. The, the fire station right over here next to Walmart is a trailer. With Hold on one moment. Tammy, okay. check this mic and see. Tammy, uh, can you check this mic and see if it's hot? I'm getting a person who says it's not on. Yes. It is? You can hear me? They can hear me? You just have to get closer. Oh, I have to get closer. Okay. Um, Thank you. I'm going to get a little closer here. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Mike. It's okay. I just got a message from a good fan here. Uh, hopefully that's better. How's that? Let me know. Uh, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So um, there's a trailer. They have a fire station over here that's a trailer. And the floor's caving in, and all their stuff is like in bins outside. So our fire rescue department is not properly funded. They're also 15% understaffed. The police department is 25% understaffed. Um, and and so what that means is the people that are working in fire and rescue in the police department are overworked, they're underpaid, they're, they're stressed out. Uh, you know, I don't have to tell anyone that our roads are in bad shape, our sidewalks are in bad shape, our traffic lights don't sync up and run properly. You sit at empty red lights for minutes at a time, just wasting time and wasting gas. All these core functions of city government aren't being attended to, essentially because we don't have money. We don't have money for, for one reason. We're spending it on consultants and on pet projects and all, on all this nonsense that we need to, like, you know, go through the budget and clear all that stuff out. But we're also not – we don't have money because, you know, the University of Florida is our main economic driver, and they don't pay a whole lot in taxes. They do fund the bus anything, system. Maybe. Well, I mean, they, they fund the bus system. Um, they pay the students do. Right. That's right. Yeah, um, that's right. The university doesn't pay taxes, and they're not gonna. And yeah, no, and you have you have some candidates talking about holding UF accountable, but that's just a fiction. There's no there's nothing you can do. But the problem is we don't have an economic life outside of UF. Like forty five percent of all jobs in Gainesville are at UF and Shands, the city and GRU, and Santa Fe College. That's almost half of the jobs in town are at three organizations. Um, we got to diversify our economy. But we can't diversify our economy because businesses can't succeed because the taxes are too high. And I would include in that the GRU because there's a, there's a hidden and very regressive tax inside the, your GRU bill, the, 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 the fund transfer. And so you've got to lower taxes so you can grow the economy because if you can grow the economy, then you've got a wider tax base. Then you'll have the money you need to attend the things you need to attend to. But those are not really good liberal talking points. Um, but we're in a real pickle because we don't have the money to spend on infrastructure. And we're taxing ourselves to death and we're killing our own economy by putting – I was just talking to builders last night, local builders who can't build affordable homes because of the impact fees. Right. Um, and there's even a law they, they passed, this commission passed two years ago, where if you're remodeling or rebuilding a structure or building on a vacant lot, you have to put in a sidewalk. So if you're building on a road that doesn't have any sidewalk, like imagine that there's no sidewalk at all on the street, you still have to put a sidewalk in on your 60 feet of property. So you've literally got 60 feet of sidewalk, and there's no sidewalk on either side of it, but you have to bear the cost of that um, to build. And it's, it makes it so you can't build affordable housing, so our, our builders can't do their work. So we're, we're hurting our own economy with all of these silly ordinances and with all these high taxes and with GRU. 
And we're just not going to be able to succeed and grow our economy until we attend to those things and become much more business friendly and attend to our economy independent of the University of Florida. I hope I don't sound old fashioned here if I suggest it. I've heard this before <laughs> from other bright people who understand how systems work, have been saying the same thing for years. And one of the problems, I think, is that we draw too much politically from our university clientele. They become the commissioners. They become the academic world kind of philosophers, academic philosophers, and they're not business people. Mm, they're, they're that's for sure. Back in the old day, Mike, when we had five commissioners, we had five business people commissioners. It was very, very different. And my own, I think she's helping me here. How, how's that working? Everybody sound up there? Let's see if we're coming in clear here. Um, just checking on that. Um, I'm not in the way. No, you're not in the, not in the way. I'm just looking to see if I'm coming through. My, my clientele here would tell me. But uh, we had five people, and they were business guys. And they um, made business decisions. And the city was run financially much more practically than it's run now. Right. Is my point. Yep. Now, the, I'll give you the history on how we went to seven. I know who did it. He's passed since then, so we can't go blame him, right. you know. But being business people, I guess, is what this is what went through their mind. I know the other fellow who was in on it is still alive. He's a good friend of mine. But they reason and put into the charter that when the population of the city got to a certain number it would automatically trigger the need for more commissioners. Well, how this happened was it was a co-ed female lady, uh, student at Florida, who lived in apartments on the southwest corner of Archer and 34th. Okay. Didn't have the bus because that was the county. Right. Wanted the bus. And there are several hundred students lived in there. They couldn't ride the bus. So this young lady went out and got a petition with a clipboard the old-fashioned way and petitioned to be annexed into the city. They could care less about city politics. Right. They wanted a bus. Right. Sure. And it triggered the charter change. Mm. And we went to the seven. So this young lady, unbeknownst to her, with about 500 of her fellow petitioners, Changed this county. I mean, the city for the worse, really. Yeah, I think you I, know it's too cumbersome. Mm -hmm. You know, the elected mayor, the old-fashioned way. We had five. We rotated the mayor, so the mayor wasn't a demigod, and in, insulated and uh, unapproachable. Uh, that's the way it led. So it's been different. It's been very different, and it's not been run so much by business people anymore. Yeah, we've got to. <laughs> And I don't hear folks, I don't hear candidates talking about that. We had a campaign event at the Chamber of Commerce, and I was the only candidate that talked about being more business friendly at all, um, which was really disturbing because we were at the Chamber of Commerce. Um, but we're not listening to our builders. We're not listening to our no, business never owners. Have. Um, I mean, I, so, so, yeah, I mean, like the paper straws were a classic example. They didn't listen to any local restaurant owners. They didn't listen to anyone like, how is this going to affect people? Um, we're engaged too much in performance politics. Like they do things just for the show of doing them 
without taking into consideration what the effect is going to have. Like this zoning thing they just passed Thursday, it's a terrible idea. It wasn't well thought out. They didn't they didn't ask themselves if there was the infrastructure to support this. Uh, they didn't ask themselves if if anyone wanted this done. They just did it. Um, now it has to go to the state for review. The state's not going to approve it, so it's not going to happen. Uh, even if the state does approve it, the next commission's probably just going to unwind it. I know if I get elected, that's going to be my first order of business is like, we have to undo this thing. And so what's going to have happened is they're going to waste all this time and money, uh, you know, in city staff hours, putting this ordinance together, mm -hmm. and it's not going to amount to anything. And they do this over and over again, and it's just a waste of resources. So we've got to stop wasting the city's resources because we need them for our sidewalks and for our roads and for our firehouses and for our police department. The core functions of city government are being neglected, and even the bus system. Like, the UF helps fund the bus system through the student fees, and it does a pretty good job of getting people to the UF campus and away from the UF campus. Um, but we need the bus system to connect affordable housing neighborhoods to job opportunities. Like if you want to if you want to live in Southeast Gainesville where you can get affordable housing and you want to work over here on Archer Road can't get and there. take the bus, you can't, can't do it. Can't It'll take there. you two hours. Yeah, you can't get there. So to go one way. So if we can attend to those things, then we can start to drive the economic engine. Because like, hey, UF is at least supporting the bus system. Let's chip in some of our money as well and make sure that this city is really well connected. We can have a bus system that far exceeds a town of our size that could otherwise have and we can drive the, the economy and provide you know opportunities like the trick is like city you know government can't create jobs other than government jobs but we can get out of the way of business and we can do things like make sure transportation is connecting where people live to where people work those are the things the city can do make sure the roads work well make sure the gru bills are coming down make sure your taxes are coming down Make sure businesses aren't being killed with impact fees. Um, those are things the city government can do to help make it more attractive to business. We're losing businesses to Ocala. We're losing businesses to Alachua. That whole tech enclave they had down by Depot Park, all those have gone to Alachua now. Why? Have we asked any of those business owners, why did you move to Alachua? Well, they'll tell you because it's cheaper to be there and they can afford to be there where they can't afford to be here. That's a city government problem. We're losing tax dollars by literally taxing ourselves to death. Well, the city of Alachua, which is where I live in the city of Alachua, has five commissioners, mm -hmm. and they're local. They all know each other. A couple of business people on there who actually have businesses inside the city of Alachua. Right. Uh, a stronger and stronger chamber of commerce, which is connected politically to the people on the commission. And the commission um, belongs to the chamber and that sort of thing. There's interaction there. I agree with you. The city of Gainesville chamber has just been largely um, defunct except the name only in so many ways. And the other thing about the builders is they're losing out more and more to out-of-town builders mm -hmm. who come in with the big pockets and put up the big sky rises and change. Actually, I rode down 13th the other day, and I thought, coming in from Malachi on 441, and I thought, well, if I were just coming back to see my old college, I wouldn't recognize it. No. Yeah. I wouldn't recognize it at all. And so there's been a lot of consternation about that and why do we have to do it that way and what are we doing? Um but we're talking with um, Michael Rayburn, who goes by Mike. Let's refresh people. You are running in a district. Yeah, I'm running in District 2. So only the, the, the people in two. the district can vote for you. Yes. And what district for these people watching is that? District 2 runs from basically mm -hmm. the Gainesville, Alachua border uh, all, all the way down to basically the mall now. It's mostly northwest Gainesville. 
Um, so, you know, the, the, that whole set of neighborhoods in that swath there. And yeah, you can only vote for me if you live in District 2. But I could also use some support. Uh, I haven't done a lot of fundraising. My, I have two really well-funded opponents in this campaign. Uh, and one of them has all the endorsements uh, because he's kind of inside the, inside the little political club. Um, I'm, I'm a real outsider in this. And so uh, if this message resonates with you and you're not in District 2, you could at least send me, you know, 10 or 20 bucks and, and help, me, <laughs> help me send out a mailer so I can let people know who I am and what I'm about. Because I literally am the only one, you know, there are four seats open and I've been to all these events. No one else is talking about making Gainesville business friendly. I've at least got them talking about our infrastructure and how it's crumbling and we have to attend to it. I wonder what they think when they hear a guy on the board of, Grace Marketplace talking about business because that must kind of bend their um, assumptions a little bit. I that's fine, but I mean, people want to work. Yeah, everyone kind of wants the same thing. Ward, they want they want a job, they want to earn their own money, they want a house. No one wants to live in a high rise apartment their whole life. I mean, if you do, I mean, go to New York or Atlanta or wherever. That's fine. People that live in Gainesville want a house. They want a bit of a yard. They want somewhere the kids can run around, the dogs can run around, the cats can run around, what have you. Um, everyone kind of wants the same thing. It's just a classic American dream. And we ought to be able to have that. Um, and, and we've done this before. Like, like our church is in Lincoln Estates. Lincoln Estates was built in the 60s. It's affordable housing neighborhood. And most of those homes are still owned by the families that bought them back in the day. Yes, Mr. Emmer did that. Mr. Phil, Phil Emmer, Emmer did that. Yeah. We need another Phil Emmer or three to build more neighborhoods. Phil Emmer built a lot of stuff over there. And because he was a local guy building for the community. That's what we need. We don't need these out-of-town developers building these high-rises. By the rises. way, he was very frustrated. I, I knew him very well. And he, as he saw the direction of the city, he got very frustrated because all the things he did with his own entrepreneurship and his creativity really was not supported as the right. commission drifted farther and farther away from engaging its local uh, creative entrepreneurs. Um, so Mike's letting us call him Mike, which I love. I, uh, uh, and he's a, a local fellow in that he was a Floridian and came here for a while and then went to Duke. And, uh, you know, um, before we take our break, I have had uh, a professor who was my theology. Uh, when I, came, I was always very interested, of course, in, in that. That was my some of my electives. And Dr. Richard Heyer, I don't know if you know him. But know he him. must be. In, he's a Duke guy. Okay. I think, last time I checked. But he must be 90 now mm. because he taught me when I was a freshman or sophomore in 1961 or 62. Okay. But he still writes letters to his editors. He's still frustrated. <laughs> and he's a very bright guy. <clears throat> uh, radical monotheism and all those things I learned from him. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, the, ver you know, the various stories that went behind the creation stories and all that. Uh, I was fascinated by by him, and we were always good friends. Um, he has grown more and more, if I might say so without offending him, uh, <clears throat> perhaps frustrated at, at the lack of uh, <clears throat> sensible behavior. Yeah. But he's lived here all his life, and he retired from the university, but I'll always remember him. Every once in a while, at some public place, we'll show up together, and I always bow. I mean, I really like him, and... and um, yeah, he's. Uh, but he was a. He was my theology. I, I'm not. I don't think that was what the course was called. It might have been Old Testament. I don't remember. But okay. uh, and then I had a friend at the college who was uh, uh, 
uh, taught all the all the religion classes went at Santa Fe. And his office was across from mine. <clears throat> and uh, he, uh, when I, I would be, I'm a, I was an English professor, so every once in a while I'd, I'd, I'd be reading Shakespeare and I'd realize I need to know a little bit about what was going on in the in the religious world, if you will. And so I'd holler out, yeah. I would holler out, Brother Tolson, <clears throat> come over here and give me an education on that Protestant Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That Protestant Reformation, a lot got done there, brother. A lot got done. A yes. lot got done and never done. gets taught. And, you know, this is one of my real issues with education. And he would come over. I had a nice office and he would sit down and we would talk about the Protestant Reformation. And uh, the, the, the funniest thing, may I, just before we go on a break, I want to tell this story. You know, when I moved into this office across the hall from him, I didn't know this, but uh, uh, the president had called up uh, uh, Neil Tolson. I always called him Brother Tolson. And um, say, now listen, we're going to put Ward across the hall from you. You need to keep an eye on him now. <clears throat> so they gave uh, Neil of some sort of prize at some point in his, in his career there. And we had a packed auditorium. And we had a new president. And he was getting this award, giving this award to Neil. And I sat on the front row for it and because I really respected and liked him so much. And he told the following story. He said to the whole faculty, he said, you know, he said, there was an office empty across from mine. And uh, the president called me up and asked me to keep an eye on Ward if he moved in there. And I told the president, I said, Mr. President, I only pray for miracles. I can't perform them. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Great one. <laughs> I only pray for miracles. I can't perform them. <laughs> Amen to that. Man, he was a great guy. And he, here's where he got the students. The students would take his class thinking, oh, man, this is a crib class, you know. They'd been to Sunday school or whatever, you know. They thought they knew. They didn't know that one of the toughest scholars in the world <laughs> is a... Oh, sure. It's one of you guys. Uh, can be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be, right? There, there's a lot There's a lot there to unpack. There's a lot there to unpack. A lot of history. Well, he had, he, I won't tell you, I used to hear pound, pound from his desk. I couldn't see his room. It was So I would go over the first time I heard it when I moved in. I said, what are you doing, Brother Tolson? He had made a stamp. And on it, it said, told you to know. And he was the kid missed the question after he had told the students, I'm going to put it on the test. So he would stamp it with told you to know, you know. And the day he retired, I want to conclude, this is so funny. You know, he'd been there for many, many years and, and he'd talking about retirement and he had arthritis. It really kind of affected him quite a bit at the end. So for him to leave his office and go to his car was a big deal. OK, he never came back because that'd be a tough job. Well, one day he left his office and he came back. And this was about 4.30 in the afternoon and stuck his head in my office. I was surprised. I said, Brother Tolson, what you doing? He said, well, Ward, I finally decided to retire. I said, really? Why now? He said, well, I was going out to my car and here came one of my students who had missed my class. And he stopped me and asked me if he'd missed anything. Oh, no. Oh, yes. That's you painful. never do that. You that's never ask painful. That's if hurtful. you missed anything. And he yeah. said, the young man had a hat with a bill, but he had it on backwards. Oh, yeah. And I said to him, <laughs> this is so funny. He said, 
I said to him, son, that hat has a bill on it for a purpose. If you would turn it around, you wouldn't have to squint into the sun. (laughs) That is one of the funniest stories. I mean, and, uh, you know, you know, one more about him when he would became in the, in the, after retired, a kind of a traveling preacher. You know, he would go in and preach for a mm-hmm. while when somebody retired or whatever. Yeah. And I went to his last church and, and he retired, retired from that one. And he had all of his uh, loyal friends and whatnot come back. And there was one young lady who had gone on and become, you know, involved with religious training in a formal way. And she got up. And said, you know something, I'll always respect about um, Reverend Tolson. First time I took his class, he failed me. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. She said, I realized this was a serious deal. And that's the type of person that is so rare in the world, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you got to say it like it is. And I'm going to help you pass it. But you're not going to pass it with your hat on backwards asking me if you missed anything. (laughs) Oh, my golly. You never Uh, do that. Hey, we're talking. We're talking with uh, uh, Mike Rayburn. And and, uh, we'll be right back in a moment if we take a bottom of the hour break. Okay, Tam? And uh, we'll keep you up to date here in a moment. Stay with us. We're having a lot of fun. Be right in a minute. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. 
I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Here we're uh, meeting with a great fellow today, Mike Rayburn, Michael Rayburn, who's running for District 2 City Commission of Gainesville. But before we get back to our conversation, thanks to Lewis Oil for bringing us this sponsorship. Um, the weather, I've got to tell you, is um, hot, period. It's been hot and it's going to stay hot. Uh, today, it's actually going to feel like 100 degrees. Yesterday, it felt as if it were 102 degrees. If that gives you any comfort, why, so be it. Be thankful for those two fewer degrees, huh? What can I say, you know? Um, the air quality is, you know, okay, because if you like humidity, uh, the mold is therefore high. So if you have any uh, issues with mold and that sort of thing, dust and dander is extreme. Uh, it's going to affect you. Um, we do have an Atlantic basin showing signs of the chances of a development of a tropical disturbance disturbance right now, which is uh, coming in off the coast of Africa. Um, we'll keep an eye on that, but it's, so far we've been able to uh, thank our lucky stars. We haven't had a big event, although patchy weather has been violent. Yesterday at uh, the countryside in Alachua, we had some really heavy winds and a lot of lightning, so it depends kind of where you are. I was driving from Gainesville and be clear, and next time I'd cross the street and it'd be absolutely blinding rain. So that's what we're looking at. Um, the uh, uh, final supermoon of 2022 is going to rise this week. And uh, the thunderstorms are going to be continue to be a prolonged flood threat in the Ohio Valley and the Appalachian Mountains. So uh, that's where we are with all the weather. Um, it is projected to be a little warmer this fall than normal. Um, so there you are. Uh, I guess I don't want to go out on a limb and say it's climate change. We've always had climate change with or without human beings. The question is, though, we've got more human beings now living who are very far away from nature, to tell you the truth. Um, they live in artificial environments, uh, high-rise buildings with air conditionings and no yards, no grass, no nothing. Um, so there you are. It's uh, more vulnerable, I suppose. There is something to going barefoot. Uh, it builds up some sort of immunity when you're a child. And maybe there's something to the fact that isolating all those children during COVID really made them more vulnerable to other childhood uh, diseases that they might have been more uh, immune to. A lot of things going on in the natural world that uh, is all part of the human existence. We got a question that's come in on our uh, sideline hotline. And um, that is... Um, we're going to ask Mike, uh, how many Grace Marketplace residents are actually displaced Gainesville residents or out-of-state, quote-unquote, drifters? Have you got a question? Answer for that, sir. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a shifting number, but it's usually about 80% plus are local folks who are experiencing homelessness. Um, there's always some number of people that are from out of town or for, even from out of state, but it's, it's usually... A very small number uh, and we have a diversion program uh, when you, when someone comes into the campus and we do the intake uh, one of the things we try to find out is where they're from do they have family who could support them do they have somewhere they could stay <clears throat> um, and if that's the case then we can get them a bus ticket 
and, and send them home. So if it's if it's workable for them to go back to uh, their hometown, whether it's somewhere else in Florida or somewhere out of state, uh, and we can help them get there, then sometimes that's all folks need is like, you know, I can go stay with my mom if I can get to St. Louis or whatever. We had one recently that was that case. Like, yeah, we can, you know, not a whole lot of money to put someone on a bus and get them back home if that's going to work. So we do try to, to uh, divert folks from being on the shelter. Uh, and then the shelter stays, we're trying to keep to no more than 30 days. Um, so folks are not residents of the shelter. Uh, the shelter is always a temporary solution because you really can't solve any of the issues surrounding homelessness until you get a person back in housing. Um, no one likes sleeping in the dorm. No one likes sleeping with, you know, several other people snoring and whatnot. So get you your own space or get you back to people who love you and will care for you. And then things can begin to get better. So a lot of therefore, to summarize of what we have as homelessness are people want a home. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you do have, you will always have, especially in Florida, a real small population that just want to live outside. Um, some people just want to live in a tent. Um, I mean, that's just their, the choice they made and it's a free country. And if you can find land where you can do that, uh, which is sometimes the challenge. Yeah. Um, like St. Michael's church was, well, well, yeah. I mean, the diocese has sort of promoted that as a way to try to get their development done, but that's a different story. Is that right? Um, is that oh right? yeah. I don't, I don't have nice things to say about that. So I'm going to, you think it was it. done. To, sort mm, of... I'm just going to, I'm just not going to say anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they knocked down the, they knocked down the sanctuary. Uh, they left the, the, the old school building compromised so people can come in and out. Uh, it's to their economic interest for that place to look as shabby and bad as possible. I never thought of it. It's way. intentional on some level. Um, and it's to, in my opinion, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still, you can't it, be mayor and say, maybe you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's part of the problem. Lord. Like I saw an interview the other day with Poe there, the, uh, Ruel flood was asking about the biomass plant and just trying to get him to admit that mistakes were made. We would do things differently. Had we known, and he wouldn't do it. He was just like, no, the biomass was a great decision and it's great. I'm like, if you can't admit, if you can't admit mistakes on biomass that I don't know what to tell you, cause the biomass was not, uh, not a great success. It was a. It was another instance where they didn't listen to anyone. They had a lot of people telling them, "Don't do this. Don't do this in oh, this way." Oh, I was way. there for that. I was and, there for that. And they just didn't listen. Uh, and even you know, you talked about you know the professor class at UF. There are a lot of really smart people at UF that would tell the city things to help them, but they don't listen. I had a good friend who's an urban planning professor at UF. He's an expert in urban planning. And I try to get him, like, go tell them. And he's like, they won't listen. If they would listen, oh, I would tell them. So we do have, you know, the smartest people in Florida live in Gainesville. Uh, and they don't get listened to either. They don't listen to anyone. They don't listen to residents. They don't listen to business owners. They don't listen to experts that we actually have in our backyard who live here and care about this town and could help, you know, steer things in a good direction. No, they'll pay a consultant. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars from out of town to come and tell them what they want to hear. <laughs> I know. Wasting our money. And, oh, go and, to some other town and spend yeah. a lot of money visiting something. Oh, you know, they, we want, they want to be the next Austin or they want to be the net. We're not Austin. Like I, that's what I keep telling everyone. Our competition is not Austin. Our competition is not Chapel Hill. Our, <laughs> our competition is not Ann Arbor. Our competition is Ocala. Our competition yeah, is now Alachua. <laughs> like we, we're here, we're Gainesville. We need to be drawing business. Good point. Here. Good point. Yeah, excellent. 
Well, you got too much sense to be on the commission. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The devil made me say it. <laughs> but really, these kind of candid conversations, by the way, you know, we had Gary on, and Gary was frustrated by the fact that these forums are just sound bites. Yeah. You can't explain anything in a few, a few seconds, you know, about a complicated right. issue. And that's why I'm encouraging anybody who wants to come on, get a hold of me, and we'll work you in. And it's because it's, I learned, I learned, you know. Let me ask you a question that's come along, too, about downtown redevelopment. Mm -hmm. Is St. Oh, Francis holding it back? I don't. St. Francis has changed. Uh, I volunteered. I think it's a good outfit, of course, and I know right. the guys, but is it in the wrong place? Um, to the extent, now again, I think they've changed their mission, and I'm not up to speed on what their current focus is. But we do need, um, we do need organizations providing uh, homelessness services for families. Because now Grace is a low barrier shelter. We take anyone. And so we have a fair number of people who are on the sex offender registry and things like that. So you can't have, we can't have children on the Grace Marketplace campus. So families, we can't serve like intact families with children. And so St. Francis House serves them, uh, Family Promise serves them. And a Family Promise will like partner with churches that can like let families stay in their like fellowship hall for like a week at a time or something, they kind of rotate around. And that's a, that's a, a workable model. And St. Francis House has some some spaces there in the facility. I have heard rumors that they're trying to move that, but I don't know the truth of that. Um, downtown has got a, a number of challenges. Uh, for, for one, it's just not well maintained. No. A, a coat of paint and and flattening out some of those brick. I love the brick roads, right? Uh, our community pastor Jacob Larson owns the Bull, which is the pub downtown. And he does. And, yeah, the pastor yeah. owns the pub. Huh? Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> I yeah. like that. It's part of our, part of his ministry. Um, and uh, they've closed that street in front of him, which has been wonderful. Uh, they've closed the street in front of the Bull and in front of Lucy's, and and now they have like they literally dance in the street. They do they do salsa lessons and dancing on Thursday night. It's really wonderful. Um, but the bricks are not. And the just roots have grown up. You know how things the do. Bricks. We always call them the bricks. They're the right. bricks. I right. Harking <laughs> that, back to the that stuff needs to be like buggy wagon. Day right. Day. Yeah. That's it's not well maintained. The sidewalks mm -hmm. aren't well maintained. There's not good lighting. Um, they've they've not been. Here was another one where like they were like they they relaxed the ordinance about you know drinking in public. And they, ha they did that because they were letting like Flacco's and Lucy's and the Bull uh, and Crane and, and Paramount have folks eat outside. Well, you have to be able to like take your alcoholic beverage outside if that's going to work. And so they made it like, well, you can drink in public now. They just made a blanket like, well, how about you just like you can drink your drink from the Bull in the street in front of the Bull. And you have got to have it like in a, in a cup like this that's got the logo on it. Not like you can go go to publics and get a 12 pack of beer and set up in the parking lot. <laughs> there's just, there's not any nuance there. And so there've been problems with it. And now they don't seem to be able to understand, you know, the difference because they're not listening well to those local business owners of what they need. Um, but we just, the basics, again, core city functions, uh, tend to the sidewalks. There are a lot of pipes sticking up, half broken off that need to be shaved off. We need, you know, repave the sidewalks, fix the brick roads, Put a coat of paint on things. Code enforcement. There are a lot of buildings downtown and all over the city that are not being well maintained by the owners. And you know, you, there are, we do have building codes for a reason. And you have to maintain your facilities, and you can't leave them vacant and run down. Um, but even 
attempts to fix that. Like the group that fixed up the old Masonic Lodge, they did a wonderful job. And they tried to get some some funding through the, a city grant program. I mean, it was Keith Perry. Yeah, it was Keith Perry. And I was in the meeting where he was like trying to get, they were eligible for some funding to help because there's some grant money for that. And they gave him the hardest time. And like he's trying to fix up the old Masonic. It would be really great to have that building like use in use again. It's a lovely, lovely old structure. And they were preserving it and restoring it. And they gave him the hardest time. Again, like why are we getting in the way of why aren't we helping local businesses, local entrepreneurs? entrepreneurs do the things that are in their hearts and their minds to do to to grow the city and make the city more successful well you know this is probably before your time but um they had a magnificent courthouse downtown which they tore down yeah a beautiful courthouse and they tore it down to put up this soviet style housing down there is what it's i call pretty, it it's pretty spartan it's, it's pretty, pretty it's pretty yeah. it's a pretty the other thing that really irritated a lot of people because the county courthouse is where a lot of people from mm -hmm. the county come to do business. And all of a sudden, one day, they fixed it so you had to pay to park and had to use your cell phone to do it. Yeah, that's tough. And these people in the country come and they don't know what you're talking they about. They got their quarters. They're ready. Yeah, they couldn't put them in anywhere. And they just did that out of blue without asking anybody. Right. You know, never mind the business guys who <clears throat> complained. It was the people coming from the county to county business, you know. Uh, I was flabbergasted by that. I actually called up the county manager. I said, have you all lost your mind? I said, we've got an old couple out here right now. It's about to get a ticket, you know, for yeah. coming downtown from wherever they've been to do whatever. Everything's down there, marriage licenses and yep. all kinds of stuff. And they've got the parking garage, but the way they have the spots reserved, about half of that garage is empty most of the time. And again, the city needs to attend, like, how are we using these spaces? Because that's a really nice parking garage that's there. Uh, we should be filling that up, and it should not be, you know, like you're saying, you have to pay with the app. you got to be able to serve people who don't. Not everyone has a smartphone. No. Not everyone wants to do that. But again, that requires listening to everyone and taking all input. Uh, and we're just, we don't do a good job of that. Until you have everyone with a voice and a seat at the table, things aren't going to get better. Like the fire, the fire marshal will tell you. You know, they put in those, those speed bumps on university uh, after those girls got killed, which was tragic. But they, they let all that development, like the standard, go up without attending to the crosswalks. And then the girls got killed, and they put in those speed bumps. They didn't talk to the fire department about what those speed bumps were going to do to their response times. And they said it's really difficult for them. Well, they look have at university. Use, yep. Those are not just speed bumps. Those are... <laughs> Those are big. Many mountains. And yeah. there's several of them. And then they're not connected with the crosswalks. So you got to stop for the speed bump. And then you got to stop for the crosswalk. You know, could you make the speed bump be the crosswalk? <laughs> um, there are ways There are ways to do these things that make sense that we're just not doing for some reason. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a conversation. Here's what I also am thinking as I listen to you. Um, lots of times, you know, the first attempt, particularly if you don't have the name recognition at all, is a training experience. I have learned a lot. <laughs> and you don't necessarily want that to go to waste. Right. So what you want to do, because you have built up experiences mm -hmm. that can't be substituted by a book or anything else. Just, That's true. you know, personal frustration and experience is probably the best teacher in this case. Keep it and try again, you know. Get, if you if you are so inclined, if, if you it's have the same thing, my mom told me, Ward. Have you been talking to my mom? No, but 
you know, I am older than you, so I'm therefore wiser. Don't forget that, Mike. No, <laughs> I do not forget that. I... No, my wisdom comes from experience mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah. Because when I first ran, I was pretty well-known, everybody thought. <laughs> and the first thing, if you think you're well-known, is stand outside Walmart. <laughs> okay. See how many people know you. Sure. You know, or even stand outside Publix where you shop and see how many people know you. Right. And then think, uh, how am I going to get them to know me? Right. Well, that's a challenge, you know. Yeah. And if I get them to know me, how many will understand what I'm saying? And should I target what I limited resources I have and go after those who might yeah. actually respond to what I have to say? See, it really gets scientific. Mm-hmm. So I got to tell you that, unfortunately, you need a manager. Mm-hmm. You need a fundraiser. Yeah. You need uh, really a coach. Uh, yeah. Uh, you need a, a data analyst. Yes, for sure. I mean, it's a team. Mm-hmm. And in the off season, if you will, I'm just talking generally now. And let's take you out of the equation. But in the off sure. season, let's use you as an example. Yeah. If you're not successful, then what do you do with the effort you put in? Well, in athletics, you'd build on it. Yes. So you kept losing. So you, so what? After a while, you start winning because you get a team around you and says, hey, Mike, look, you know, you're, you're uh, doing this wrong and that wrong. It might feel good to you. And your friends might think it looks great. But, right. you know, we're, we're down. We want you up on this level. Sure. Where you've been living is down on this level. Listen to your friends. That's the last group you want to listen to because they're your friends, right? And they'll tell you whatever you need to hear. You need to go out and find the stranger. And get his ear. And that, because I managed a campaign and I run a couple, so I learned all that. And I have people I used to, not too much anymore. They know I'd, what I'd tell them, but um, call me up and say, would you give me advice on what to do? And the first thing I ask them is, well, how come you're getting in this? Well, generally, they'll give you all the right reasons, which are all the wrong reasons. You know, the right reasons are the wrong reasons in terms of winning. Right. Yes. Yeah. They're the right reasons Mm -hmm. in terms of what needs to be done. Yes. But we're talking about winning. That's a very different thing. It's a very different thing. And that, that, that is um, a 24 seven, really 365 effort. If you, and the people get good at it, once they're good at it, you can't get rid of them because they build up their team. Yeah. They build up. uh, Listen, you know how unfair it is to run against an incumbent? Yeah. Free name recognition everywhere he goes. They built up a base of goodies they've given to the people who supported him. So they got a running they got a running start. The only way to fix it, probably maybe, is the term limit. Yes, for sure. For term limit. But then the really shrewd ones like Cynthia Chestnut, for example, who's a good friend, you know, she can bounce around to different races, you see. Because she takes the base with her, she takes her name recognition with her. And she did some good things. She called together a group last night and said, come to your senses. And this is the first time, Mike, in recent memory that I can see white and black together. If you want to color code this thing, which I don't like, you know, uh, on the same page. Right. About neighborhoods. Well, you, you, I don't want to color code it, but it, it is a special um, concern for the black name, for the black residents. Sure. Because... If they, if this zoning thing were to become actual law, um, 
it would free up developers to build a lot of like quadruplexes and a lot of extra housing. And where they're going to target is available land, land they can afford. They'll gentrify that place. Exactly. There's already cash for home yeah, gentrify all over east side of Gainesville. And so the, the, the people that are over there that are literally passing down generational wealth because they own their homes, like in Lincoln Estates, they're worried that it's going to hurt them inordinately because their properties, their property values haven't increased because of historic racial problems. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be more susceptible to that, which is exactly what gentrification is. And so they do have a special concern that's that's serious and legitimate. Um, they also have the real solution in like what Phil Emmer's did back in the 60s like they happen to be like that's the model for how we should be doing things um and so it's not it is it is a weird example where like um you know the the proponents the four commissioners who voted for this are trying to say that people against it are racist and we're like no we're not you're not listening because we have people from both sides and i've learned a lot of that by you know our, we moved our church to lincoln estates four years ago we remodeled the, the old boys and girls club and run it as a community center now and and what you learn is that there's really not any difference. The people who live in Lincoln Estates, who are predominantly black, they want the same things. Yeah. They want to live in their houses. Yeah. They yeah. want to have jobs. Yeah. They want to be able to afford things. They don't want handouts. Yeah. They want to earn their own way and have their own life. Yeah. It's We're all Americans. Right. And we all, I think, pr pretty much want the same thing. It's just like, let's, you know, leave me alone. Let me do my thing. Let's come together. Let's grow our economy. Let's, we need to pay for our police and fire and rescue and our roads. Sure. No one's against paying for those things, but we don't need to be wasting a bunch of tax money on a bunch of nonsense. Unlike the bus that drives from nowhere to nowhere. Right. Doesn't, right, right. doesn't have a driver or any riders in it either. Right. I mean, right. Well, it's not it's, a regional transit system either. No, it's just performance politics. It's yeah. just, I call them paper straw liberals ward because that's what they like. <laughs> which is like, you know, which is, we're going to have paper straws and it's going to change the paper world. Paper straw like, liberals. Like, I like, I might steal that from you, Mike. You can have that. <laughs> and you know, another thing before we conclude, we got in a minute. I want to be able to give you the last couple of minutes to tell everybody who you are, what you are and how what. Mm -hmm. But, it's beautiful land, and now you got Kincaid Road and all that over yeah. there. That's beautiful wow. land, and if you set it up so that it can be exploited by the developer, they'll move you in, move you out. Exactly. Because it is. Think of the beauty of that side of town. No interstate noise, right. no hustle and bustle. Beyond there is the lakes. You know, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful side of town. Yep. I think the oldest cemetery in our community is over there. Yes. Yeah. It's just. Uh, so it's it, it can be easily, you know, we have to transform. We have to protect all of our neighborhoods. Yeah, it can be transformed. We've been talking with Michael Rayburn, who is running for District Two of the city. So only those of you in District Two, which is pretty wide, take a look at it on the western side of the county or the city, most part, um, and you contribute to him anyway. And is you know uh, been talking with us for a while. This will be on wardsgodfiles.com. It will be uh, also. Um, uh, out on all the different platforms, about 37, I think, of all that, what the production guys tell me. And um, I think if you want to link to it, you want to spread, they, they'll, they'll provide that for you okay, among your network. So anything you want to leave them with, your wisdom of um, uh, what you want to ask them for? Or? There's one other thing that we haven't talked about that I do want to mention, because uh, it's the reason the Gainesville Sun endorsed me, um, is GRU has got to be managed differently than we're running it. Um, among all the jobs I've had, I worked for Tampa Electric back in the 90s. 
I uh, was a meter reader. I uh, worked on a line crew. I uh, really? was an operator at the Big Bend Power Plant. Yeah. Um, well, after I left UF, I had to get a job before, <laughs> before I went back to college. So in, in between UF and, and my next college uh, try, I worked at Tampa Electric for, for a number of years. Uh, long enough to realize that a utility is a very different thing. And running utility is not like running a business. It's not like running anything else. And I'm convinced that, you know, given the biomass thing, and now they're pushing, some of them are really pushing hard for solar renewables, which is great. We should be going in that direction in a way and in a time frame that makes sense for us. We can't act like we have all the money in the world because we don't, because we're a company town and our company doesn't pay any taxes. Um, so GRU needs to have its own utility commission. Standard best practice for municipal utilities is for them to be run by a utility commission, not by a city or commission, county commission. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in favor, I'm proposing that we create a GRU utility commission that would run GRU. I would also like to see that that be elected by all GRU customers because a third of GRU customers right. live outside city limits. And that's literally taxation Man, without representation. We should have gotten to that a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, we should have gotten that earlier. Um, and, and then I would have the general fund transfer be negotiated between the city commission and the utility commission. Ah, ah. So no more of the city. That's just really being bright. Like, that's very, your, that, that's very bright. That's very bright. Uh, because the goal for the city should be to draw down our, you know, to, to decrease transfer. over time, transfer. to transfer, yeah. grow our economy so we don't yeah. need it. It's kind of like a drug to the city. It is. And it's a regressive tax and it's killing. It's just like a drug. It's killing our health. It's killing yeah. our economy. Man, we're out of time, but I love that story. We just stumbled. Maybe we'll have to do that another time. <laughs> Alignment, man, I'm telling you, oh, yeah. that's that's tough. I mean, I, I, that's really good. Been talking with uh, Michael Rayburn, Mike, to my uh, good friend chatting here. And um, hey, listen, I, you cast your vote the way you want. It's your business. But uh, everything in here made sense to me. And uh, and uh, production even paid a little attention here. They're youngins and they paid a little attention to it and are learning about the grown-up world that they'll soon enter in one way or another, even though they might not think so now. They'll try to have a home. They'll be paying taxes. Right. They'll be doing all these things that actually are pretty burdensome and increasingly so. So, uh, listen, we'll give, uh, we're going to have Ted Yoho tomorrow and uh, my co-host on Wednesday, so we'll have a great discussion. There's a lot going on in the national scene, which are unprecedented events, if you will, and we'll discuss them tomorrow. Uh, have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.